The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And just to um, also summarize what Liz talked about, it comes to one phrase or one word if you if you want to remember it, you know, with one word, one phrase, and is basically non-harming, non-harming, wise livelihood. Um, there's some, a few things that I want to mention, and then I'm, I'm, I want to talk to you about how I have practice. Uh, having a full-time job, um, how how it is that you know how we can practice wise livelihood to you know to to stay within that place of uh, peace or a, a place where we feel aligned, where our livelihood feels aligned to our spiritual path, uh, where our sustenance. Uh, feels aligned to however we are um, living our lives. And, you know, being at home is a full-time job, too. (laughs) So I want to say also, you know, that full-time job definition, um, you you make your own definition for, for yourself based on your circumstances, One um, practice that is beneficial to um, to use to remember uh, through our livelihood is the impermanence of it. And um, yeah, I just want to say that word one more time and just give like a few seconds for it to land in you, the impermanence of our livelihoods. Even in uh, times where we're saying, oh yes, I feel aligned, everything is great. And sometimes we want it to continue that way. You know, I got the Perfect situation here, perfect scene, this is good. It's going to be like that. Maybe for the next few seconds. (laughs) And maybe it will repeat itself with different conditions. But um, So the impermanence of it, I'm mentioning that because is... It's good to remember sometimes that it will also pass. So just to consider when you're talking to someone else or when you're in that conversation on the phone or when you're preparing your paper if you're in college or when you're taking care of someone or of something at home, it will also pass. 
So to be fully present in your, you know, in mind, body, in heart, is a great practice. Feeling the sensations in your body, seeing what is happening as you're engaging, um, is a great practice. Another, um, another thing that I want to mention is that with that impermanence, also then, that role that you engage in, that identity that you're engaged in, may also pass too. And sometimes it's hard to see that when you are... Um, maybe in a livelihood, doing something for a very long time. Maybe being a teacher for, you know, 30 years or, um, or um, raising your kids for, you know, for a long, uh, for, well, for all your life, as, as far as my mother is concerned about that. <laughs> so, I don't know if that will pass too, but anyway, no, that too. But, you know, there are some things that look more permanent than others and some roles that stay, actually, even when we live this life. So, it's not the only thing that we are. You know, it's not, it's not if, if you achieve that dream of becoming something, accomplishing something professionally, um, that may pass. And if you didn't, um, there's also impermanence in that. And there are many other things. We're more than one identity that we form, that we create. So how do we, how we go into, you know, having an honest, peaceful livelihood and a livelihood that we don't engage in harming others and, you know, ourselves too. So there are different practices that I've been engaging in. And I want to mention this book because this is where, the, where I'm taking the material to talk to you about, about it, is uh, Real Happiness at Work. And again, um, just define work as, as, as is your case. Uh, it's from Sharon Salzberg, and I find it very useful. Um, so what she presents here is... Um, Different, different practices to maybe cultivate um, different states of mind and different, uh, be more aligned to our values um, and be at peace with whatever we do. So the first one that I want to talk about is balance. And Liz talked about a little bit about, you know, some sometimes how they're, times in our lives that we have like we've been working a lot you know um, and balance 
is handy to remember in those times. Also those times that you are struggling with whatever is going on in your livelihood. That balance could be something beneficial. And um, how it is that we create that balance within, within the, our practice. We can uh, create space and we start creating that space by our practice of breathing, mindfulness of breathing. We can anchor ourselves into our meditation or, you know, taking three breaths in any moment throughout your day that will help us anchor. And then we can see also, we can check with ourselves what is going on right now in this moment. What is, what is going on in terms of emotions? Um, and if there's something that um, needs some care or some attention for you to go throughout your day, and you know, especially if there's a strong emotion happening, you know, it's hard to stay there for you know, the entire day while doing other things, you know, accomplishing other things, independently of what kind of strong emotion. But what it is there, what you can do to balance yourself, check in with yourself. What is important to you? What, what is important? And is that aligned with, with your practice? You know, it could be in terms of, your, of the precepts. It could be for me has been just having that word, non-harming, in, in a place where I can see it is, is just a moment of balance for me. Oh, okay. Maybe I just take a moment before going and talking to this person or um, doing something else that, you know, I don't like to do, but I have to do. Um, the next one that I want to talk to you about in, you know, cultivating wise livelihood, you know, setting conditions for it is concentration, especially in activities that we do a lot of multitasking. When there's a lot of multitasking, you know, it's not like the brain is all, you know, settled doing something and immediately you know, there's a shift, there's, there's, there's a transition that has to happen in our brains to go from one thing to the other. And I can tell you how many times in a moment of multitasking, sending an email, answering the phone, or, you know, again, looking, getting ready to send an email, someone stops by, starts talking to me, I keep writing, Many times I have regretted <laughs> to just, you know, continue with, with the multitasking. You know, just to take a moment and say, you know what, I really want to, let me concentrate on finishing this and then I can pay attention to you. I feel respected when other people do that to me. Let me, when, you know, that person is looking at me, listening to me, like there's nothing else happening. It's like, okay, this person is paying attention. 
So concentration, how you can cultivate concentration in your livelihood, washing the dishes, feeling that warm water in your hands while you're washing the dishes, or just, you know, how you are maybe concentrating in the movement of your body when you're attending someone. Um, so mindfulness of the body for concentration in livelihood. The next one uh, is uh, compassion. And compassion is one that is great to practice when you are struggling with maybe something that is difficult for you to do or when you are working with a group of people and, and you don't reach consensus, could be at home with family, could be with other people, you know, in other settings. Um, compassion, knowing that there are a lot of conditions that this person uh, has in, in that moment that maybe I'm not aware of. I'm not aware of why, you know, uh, this person didn't, didn't finish what I wanted her to finish, and now I have to, you know, I'm all irritated because now I have to wait for this person. And, you know, see, look at also the relation. How do you relate to it? Now I have to wait or blah, 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 blah. So in a compassionate way would be, oh, what happened? This happened to me the other day, a, a dear person, uh, co-worker. I was expecting something, never, never arrived. And then later I got a message. I had a horrible day. I had a sick kid at home and I had a root canal, an emergency root canal done. I say, my gosh, sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, no problem, you know? Now, those moments when you realize, oh, I missed something, those moments of mindfulness, they're good. Don't, don't beat yourself on, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. Live and learn. You know, those moments are moments that maybe you remember later. Um, so compassion, um, practices that can help and, and Lee's talked about this, uh, loving kindness, um, self-compassion itself, you know, self-compassion, taking care, caring about ourselves and seeing, recognizing our suffering. What is hurting? You know, at the end of the day, when you're just like reviewing your day, oh, how was it? What is hurting? Uh, what is, what is dear here right now. Um, another uh, way that you can practice um, or that you can, it helps in cultivating wise livelihood is uh, cultivating resilience. And resilience, um, there are also other practices from uh, this tradition that we can also use, and is the, the paramis, the uh, perfections, uh, qualities, qualities that we can cultivate 
um, with compassion and, and that there are qualities in, in our daily lives that we can, um, we can use. For example, patience. So patience is big for resilience. And there are different type of patience or ways in which you can practice patience. Um, patience when you're not treated the way in which you are not expected to be treated. Maybe someone talking to you in a way that you're like, wait a minute, what happened here? Or um, uh, practicing um, patience when, um, in terms of perseverance, you need to, if you need to finish something or accomplishing something, right? So uh, self-care, too, is part of resilience uh, in, for wise livelihood. And, and uh, like I said, patience. Um, the next uh, practice or, um, that I want to mention to nourish uh, that help us in, in wise livelihood, and Liz talked about this, was uh, speech. She talked about speech. So mainly I'm talking about it from a context of communication and connection. Communication and connection with others. And how there's also communication that happens internally, especially at work. Um, when you're talking to other people, if there's anything, and it's, sometimes it's easy to forget. You know, we have an agenda, we want to finish this, or, you know, we need to pick up the kids, we, have, we need to have dinner, and also I need to finish that paper that, I'm, that I have to have completed and hand in um, for tomorrow. So what is the communication? What is what you're, we're saying to ourselves? And when we're speaking to others, is there a way in which you can listen to yourself as you're speaking to this other person? Like, okay, I'm, I just said this. One of the, the practices that I do is I use post-its. Uh, when I'm having a conference call or when I'm talking to, you know, doing a, a family care, just breathe. And it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. Um, so, um, and then the connection. What is the connection that you want to cultivate? What, what kind of connection you want to cultivate. And um, also, I'm calling this, em this practice empty listening. I think we talked, we practiced a little bit of listening when we did wise speech. But when I talk about empty listening, I'm, I'm referring to listening to someone quieting my mind. You know, like, Okay, he's speaking. Let me just be here for this person listening and then turn off the volume on 
oh, but you didn't think about this, or oh, you missed that, or oh, great, I want to do that too, you know? So, um, and then there's three, three more that I want to mention briefly because I'm running out of time, but um, integrity, checking in in terms of integrity. And when I talk about integrity is, you know, do you feel whole, do you feel complete with what you're doing, with how you're relating, with what is going on, what is happening there, what is the intention? Um, is there authenticity, you know, in, in however you're showing up? And if there's any, anything that you have to bring up and, you know, practice some forgiveness, that's also handy. Um, and I mentioned this at the beginning, um, but maybe to phrase it now as a way of um, looking at our whole vision or of how we want to be in the world, how we want to be in the world, how we want to be, you know, as we practice livelihood, how we carry it in our bodies, that that vision, that intention, when you're walking, how, how is expressed in your body, in your walking? So that's, those are different aspects. And um, I will say that all that you can look at those different practices and many others, each one of us has, you know, your, your own mindfulness. Mindfulness. It's like mindfulness and the Eightfold Path. What comes handy in one moment during your day? What comes handy? So um, let's take a moment just to... Um, before transitioning into a breakout session, how just to settle just for a minute, taking two or three conscious breaths. See how my words land in you, how they were received. How are you relating to this moment? And as, I, as you would do it as part of your livelihood, consciously see if you start preparing yourself to shift into another activity. See if you can sense your body moving and your eyes opening and start looking for someone else that you're going to be practicing with. So let's go ahead and move on to the next activity. Gonna thank you for 
asking Sylvie. It's going to be group of four. Can we have group of fours? Okay, so here, here is the question for you, and the way we're going to do this is each person is going to have four minutes, and then we're going to come back, and then we can share in the big group, okay? But we will go one by one. Each person will have four, four minutes. So the question is, what responsibilities and commitments in your life do you find challenging? What responsibilities and commitments in your life do you find challenging? And how do you practice with this? So let's have a minute just to, for the question to land in, in, in your mind. Okay, and you can begin. First of all, I wonder if there's anything from either of the exercises that you'd like to share about how it was to do those or something you learned or anything you'd like to share? Comments about the exercises? Well, in our group, um, somebody said something very insightful, and it was that the challenge, um, the response to the practice, and response to the challenge was to go to the root cause so that it didn't continue to happen again and again. We weren't in a spiral. And sometimes it could be simple. Sometimes it could be that there was external pressure and maybe that wasn't necessary. And sometimes there might be internal pressure and maybe that wasn't necessary. I, I found that very helpful. Someone in our group also uh, shared this, and it really, it really filled my heart that though kind of when we're talking about these things, they, they sound different or they look different, but there's just this kind of, there's just this universal relating to it and connecting to it when, you, when you're really vulnerable and honest and, um, and share. And so thank you for all these opportunities to do this. It feels so good to connect. And it feels like this common, that, that this, this, it kind of just opens your heart a little bit more. It makes it a little more tender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So we can open it up to questions, comments about the whole topic or any other topic so far. We've got a few minutes for just general questions and comments. Um, first, in the very first meditation that we did, that you were guiding, um, there was something about enmity, and the second word, was it hurtfulness? Hurtfulness, like yeah. Like being hurt? Yeah, those, well, meaning uh, kind of that lashing out energy. Okay, so I wasn't clear if it was the state of being hurt or the state of hurting someone else. You know, it was actually, it crossed my mind that you could put those together and in and, and, and asking to be free from enmity, you also, you could almost say you want to be safe from enmity and hurtfulness, meaning not either receive, may I not receive it and may I not put it out, mm-hmm. either one, you know, it's really, it's really nice. And also, you might find it sometimes more resonant to use the positive, you know, may I be kind, may I be compassionate, may you be kind and compassionate. You know, it's interesting because I had never heard the verses that you used and they actually worked for me a lot better than the positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, Especia- I found especially it Especially for the difficult person. Right. It was right. like, wow, I can do this for anyone. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> kind of how Lee was teaching it last week, that this I'm works you know, for anyone, because you would want them to be free from, and understanding this free from troubles of mind and body, because there's mm. usually something like that going on that's driving it, and you know, it's, so it's, it, works very, it works, does work very well yeah. in that way. If I may, I have a question about the, the term livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't read the homework that you sent for this because I, I'm someone who likes to hear things fresh and then I can read afterwards. So in my mind, when I came here, I had a definition in my mind. And I thought that livelihood was what you do for a living. But then when Liz made the presentation, it just became life. So, is it in the sense of life, not livelihood, or is this livelihood as a different meaning than I thought, you know, English not being my first language? Well, livelihood in English usually refers to how you make a living. So, you know, and that's, in the suttas, they're ta- they, the actual teaching on right livelihood involves not doing, you know, trading in weapons and poisons and slaves and things that are you know, examples of wrong livelihood. But I really love the way that Gil has opened it up to be everything in your interaction with, in taking and receiving, you know, from society. And, and of course, he's also was talking to monks and their livelihood is doing their practice, you know, and doing their, and serving, dedicating their lives to deepening their Dharma practices, their right livelihood. And so there are all kinds of ways to understand it. People who are retired, people who are raising children, it's just... You know, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> kind of your your social life. How do you? How are you making your way? So, Elise uh, covered that pretty well. Yeah, I definitely did stretch it beyond the bounds of just what you do for work, and the reason I did that is, all these other things really affect your work and your work affects them anyway. So I, this, I understand that the 
practices, you know, that Bhikkhu Bodhi, for example, discusses, definitely, you know, you're going to suffer a lot less if you're not dealing in weapons, uh, trading in human, in humans, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, toxins, poisons, of course. But there's so much more. There are so many more ways that our life touches on other people's lives and their livelihoods. Like, that's where I go to the, you know, where our taxes are used. Oh, my goodness. Hi. Uh, I've been feeling like uh, when we talk about the livelihood and right action, that right speech has a much larger role than it did before because we read and write and now we're all looking at our screens all the time. So I, I think uh, um, maybe in, in contemporary times, speech should be featured more. Because if, if, if right speech, when somebody had the eightfold path, if most people were not reading and writing, or even reading and writing as much as we do, I, I feel like that's so much a part of our interaction with the world. And... Uh, I mean, at work, you know, where things, it was more your supervisor would tell you things. Now you get an email about what we're doing and what the meeting is and stuff. So uh, I I just feel like we should pay more attention to speech. That's all. Yeah, especially those other modalities of speech, like uh, reading and writing and email. Yeah, because we have more of it. Uh, Liz, I really liked when you talked about, I can't really remember the way you put it, but like there's so much we can do, and so it's also helpful to look at how, how your mind... Uh, could you say it again, actually? You sure. Had a, yeah. Share this mic. Um, so watching your relationship with your own mind, you know, as you touch any of these things, what is your attitude? What's your relationship to it? Watching your relationship to your own mind. Yes, and uh, I really liked it. I could really connect with that because it can feel like this. You can see all the ways in which you are, all the ways in which you could act more skillfully, and and then it becomes easy to kind of go down this constant evaluation of how and wanting it to be the better and and in talking with others I can see like most uh, we are being very quite mindful of what's going on in our life and reflecting on it and and so staying equanimous with all of in the midst of all that including all the conditions we cannot change um you know for example at work i would love to be able to take a moment to take a deep breath to stay to to stay grounded before i speak to that person to avoid like kind of speaking uh, mindlessly and but that cannot happen like the meeting just it's it's now i have to go anyway just um um 
Yes, so I guess uh, accepting our limitations and staying equanimous, how would you practice with that? <laughs> Open to whatever. So, you know, you could think of it as being kind of like layers of an onion. <laughs> and just, you know, there's, there's going to be more. But maybe going with what's most obvious, like in your mind and heart in that moment, what's most obvious? And just being with that. Does that make sense? Because sometimes it's the, uh, the bigger movements of mind if we get too immersed in the details, we may lose mm -hmm. the bigger relationship. Like, that's why the hindrances are so helpful. Like, okay, there's all this stuff going on. And am I generally predisposed to be aversive towards it? Like wanting, to, wanting things to be different or pushed away? Am I predisposed to wanting more of the same? Like I'm a little greedy for it? Am I... Um, restless about it like uh, I've just got it's got, there's got to be something better than this am I engaged in doubt self-doubt you know or am I sleepy dull like out of it so if you kind of step back from the details at times from time to time and just look at your overall attitude of mind that's kind of what I meant by that Please. I also think it's really important to check in with um, suffering and not suffering, you know. I mean, we can get so concerned with being perfect and the potential for making ourselves and everything perfect and everything turn out perfect. And, you know, we get very tight around it. And if that's happening, you need to notice that. You know, it's not really part of the teachings that everything can be made to turn out perfect and last forever. And there's something, you know, that it's we're doing wrong if we're not able to bring that about. So, you know, that's not really wisdom. So, you know, you have to work with the fact that conditions are what they are and things are as they are and you do your best and don't add suffering. Just remembering the the balance that we we talked also about and um, in those moments that you know we can maybe they become more stressful maybe balancing it with um, finding some goodness in the situation even if we think oh, this is too much just look at the sun, the blue sky, something that brings you, there's, there's something good here, something positive. You, no you, no you. Contrast with the typical office discussion that you were talking about where you have to get in there really fast to say what you have to say. So um, let's just take a couple of minutes to relax and uh, let all of this discussion settle.
and just to be with our breath. And as we practice with right livelihood, right action, and right speech this month, may we do so with an attitude of compassion for the condition of our mind, our own minds, and for compassion for others. I like Bruni's two-word Dharma talk, non-harming. May the non-harming that we practice through these Eightfold Path factors and the compassion that we practice for ourselves and others ripple out to the whole world, one person at a time, one creature at a time. May all beings benefit from this practice. May all beings be free from suffering. 